Morning. Woo. We love to woo. Woo church. Changing our name. Hey, if you don't know me, my name's Stephen. I'm, I'm the pastor here. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. We're kicking off a brand new series today entitled Stop the Spread. We're going to do this series in two weeks, and then at the end of it, uh, we've got uh, one last week that'll sit between uh, this series and our, uh, the kickoff of our, our, our Big Push series for the fall, uh, which is entitled Clear Truths for a Confused World. And last week, I introduced that series. That'll begin October 23rd. And uh, really unapologetically, these next few weeks are lead up into that. I want to lay out the importance of what we're going to do beginning October 23rd. I also want to charge us up a little bit on how we can all partner in it. And uh, this year, we've been journeying through the book of Acts and moving a, a little bit slow, particularly for uh, through chapters 1 and 2. Uh, but it has been very clear to me over the last couple of weeks how Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 were very much needed right before we, uh, uh, we kick off this series. And so God always knows what he's doing in his timing. Acts chapter 4 that we'll look at this morning is an incredible mirror or look into culture. What culture looked like 2,000 years ago and what culture looks like today. Said another way, Acts chapter 4 is a snapshot or a picture of the devil's playbook. How the enemy likes to operate. I imagine we have some uh, football fans out here, and uh, if there was a football coach and they were given the other team's playbook, of course they wouldn't look at it because of their ethics, right? But if it were ethical to look at the other team's playbook, that would be a nice thing to be able to do. We as a church get to look in at the devil's playbook in Acts chapter 4. See, what's happening in Acts chapter 4 is the church is responding uh, to the very first miracle that has occurred. Uh, a lame man was healed. He begins to walk. He's running around, and the gospel is on the move. The church has gone from 120 people to 3,000 people to 5,000 people like that. And the ruler of this world, Satan, and the rulers of this world operating under his leadership are uh, beginning to get afraid. They're scared. The gospel is moving, and they know that when the gospel moves, they lose their power. And so the rulers of this world, they gather together. We see this in Acts chapter 4, verses 17, and it says this. But in order that it, and it is the gospel, in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them, that's Peter and John, or the church, to speak no more to anyone in this name, that it may spread no further. The uh, motives of the rulers of this world were, were to stop the spread of the gospel. Our motives are to see the spread of the gospel expand, and, and our motive is to stop the spread of the rule of darkness. That's our motive. And so uh, today, uh, in these next uh, few weeks, I just want to lay out the enemy's playbook. I want to see what we can learn from it. I want to charge us up to get ready for what God wants to do in our church, in us, and through us. Uh, and, uh, and it's all just right here in the scriptures. I also have been praying uh, that it would help each and every one of us to have eyes to see what is going on in the world that we live in. And uh, it's kind of like uh, over the last few uh, years, it's like we were all at the optometrist and he was going, ch -ch 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 -ch. and the more we see, the more we're going, oh, oh, now I get it. It's more and more clear. Is as we're looking through better and better prescription of what's going on in the world. And Acts chapter 4 helps us understand that. Let's start right at the beginning because that's always a good place to start. Right at the beginning of Acts chapter 4, it says this. And as they were speaking to the people, the, they there are Peter and John, uh, who are the, they represent the church. And Peter and John are speaking to the people. And Peter and John are doing exactly what the church has been doing for 2,000 years, bringing a message of hope and love and freedom to the people. The message of the gospel has always been for all, all people. Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. In Luke chapter 16, uh, the religious elites and the rulers of this world, uh, there's a story uh, that talks about this, that wanted nothing to do with the gospel. And so Jesus said, you know what? Forget them. Go get the people. 
Go get the people, get the average people, get the forgotten people, get everyone else, bring them to me. The message of the gospel has always been for all people. And here at our church, we believe that everyone is invited to experience redemption and live in freedom. And so we don't care what you've been caught up in. We don't care what sin uh, has taken you away from Christ. We don't care what addiction. We don't care what pain. We don't care what hurt. We don't care what fear or fault or failure. Come on in here and experience the life-changing power of the gospel. And then walk in freedom. And this is the message of the church, and it has been the message of the church from the beginning. Jesus changes, and he created us to walk in freedom. Galatians 5, we were made to be free. Can I tell you something? The enemy, Satan, hates freedom. He hates freedom in all of its forms. And he hates freedom. And by freedom, I mean uh, us walking in what we are wired to do and who we are created to be in alignment with who God designed us to be. That's what I mean by freedom. See, the world wants us to think that freedom uh, is I get to do whatever I want. I love this little metaphor. Uh, You can put a fish on land and tell him, do whatever you want. He's not very free, though, and he won't last very long. A fish is more free in a small little bowl than he is on the entire land. Does that make sense? You and I are not free in any way whatsoever when we just operate how we want to operate. We're very free when we operate in how God has created us to be. That's what I mean by freedom. And the enemy hates freedom. And so, uh, so the enemy and the rulers of this world will do whatever they can to stop freedom. And here's why. And, and here's how they'll do it. Uh, exactly what we saw in here. They will suppress truth. And this is an important truth. I got a bunch of them this morning. Truth suppression is motivated by power preservation. Truth suppression is motivated by power preservation. And so in Acts chapter 4, verse 1, Peter and John are doing what they do. They're teaching truth. And then the rulers of this world do what they do. Here's what it is. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Sadducees are kind of like the leading leading players in this little party. And uh, the Sadducees were a group of religious people who were known for compromising with culture and uh, for denying the resurrection. In other words, they, uh, they would do whatever culture needed them to do to align and to camouflage them, themselves in, and uh, they would also uh, shift or twist uh, eternal life, okay? By the way, you're going to see this morning, things never change. Things never change. And, and, uh, and so the group that, uh, that the, the, the powers to be, they got together and said, man, we have to suppress truth. Uh, Because if this truth keeps going out, we're going to lose our power. Uh, And and this has been the tactic of the enemy ever since, uh, that the the ruler of this world will suppress truth in order to preserve his power. uh, And and then Team Satan will suppress truth in order to preserve their power. And uh, and we'll walk a little bit through today uh, their tactics and motivations. uh, But most importantly, here's our aim today. And that is this, to figure out, am I on truth, Team or truth suppression team? Truth telling team or truth suppression team? Because it's really important that we know what team we're on and we know what team that we are supporting. Because this is how far team truth suppression will go to preserve their power. You keep reading, it says this. First, they were greatly annoyed because they were, this is verse two. They were greatly annoyed because they, the church, were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. There's the real the real rub of it. They're like, ah, oh, they're talking about Jesus. They're proclaiming the gospel, and we know the gospel leads to freedom, and uh, if we lose our control over them, then we can't enslave them anymore. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. What's going on? Truth suppressors will turn to persecution in order to preserve their power. That's their next tactic. They will turn to persecution, and they will ramp up persecution over time as much as they need to in order to preserve their power. And what we see here in the beginning of Acts chapter 4 is the clear emergence of two teams. On one side, you have team truth teller, and on the other side, you have team truth suppressor. Said another way, on one side, you have team Jesus, and on the other side, you have team Satan. And, uh, uh, or said another way, on one side you have team righteousness, and on the other side you have team evil. And just to be very clear, there are only two teams. And we, you and I, 
as individuals are either on Team Jesus or Team Satan. You say, oh, that's, that's a little bit over-exaggerating. Give me some biblical evidence for that. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. It says, hey, before your redemption, you were following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom you were. There are only two teams. There are only two teams. And how do you tell the two teams apart? That's a good question. That's a good question. That's what we're going to do today. We're going we're gonna to lay out, because you can, uh, you can throw this up on the screen, uh, there are three things that define uh, each team, okay? Uh, let's start with the truth-telling team, okay? This, this is the team you want to be on, okay? Just to clarify. Truth-telling team. First, they adhere to the Scriptures, they adhere to the scriptures, and not only do they adhere to the scriptures, but like we saw in verse 1, they teach the scriptures. They proclaim the scriptures, and they hold to the truth of God's word. Second thing, they proclaim the gospel. You say, oh, aren't those the same thing? Well, not necessarily. There are some people who will, who will uphold the scriptures or uphold the, uh, some parts of the Bible, right? But they won't actually proclaim Christ and the gospel. Okay, now, if you, I know, if you really upheld all of the scriptures, you would. But there are some people who are like, yeah, I love the Bible. But, but they don't let Jesus break into their heart. Okay? Uh, and so that's the second thing. Uh, they proclaim the gospel, which means the truth about Christ and who he is and how we're saved and redeemed and all of those kind of things. And then here's the third thing. Um, the, uh, on the truth-telling team, they desire true freedom for people. They desire true freedom. They want everyone to walk in, in true freedom, not perceived freedom. Okay, now, here's how you tell the other side. This is the truth-suppressing side. Uh, they twist or deny the scriptures, or uh, they just don't allow them to be taught. So they suppress the teaching of it. Number two, they deny Christ, right? Uh, or they twist the gospel. Uh, and often how they deny Christ, they just go after Jesus and they try to switch eternal life or they try to switch who Jesus was. I'll work through a little bit of that later. That's the, uh, the second thing that marks truth suppression team. And then here's the third thing. They proclaim freedom, but in actuality, what they promote produces enslavement. And again, this is such a great mirror into culture, isn't it? It is. It is that, that, that on the true suppression team, they'll say, no, this is really what's best for the people. This is what's really going to produce freedom. This is what's going to allow them to walk and to thrive as God has desired them. But when you actually see it play out, it's just slavery of a different form. The truth-telling team, oh, they want actual and true biblical freedom for each person. Now, as I said already, it is very important that we know which team we're on, and it is very important, right, uh, that we learn how to identify which team is active uh, and then which team to align with. And when I say uh, which team we identify with, right, that's like asking ourselves these questions, like this candidate, elected official, celebrity, author, pastor, speaker, blogger, YouTuber, those are just a couple of examples, or is this group, uh, this activist, group, this school group, this church group, this political party, this club, this etc., whatever? Is it Team Jesus or is it Team Satan? Is it suppressing or is it telling? Are denying the scriptures or upholding the scriptures? Which one? And it is important that we identify this. Why? Because as followers of Christ, we have been given a kingdom mandate to bring the gospel to the world and for it to infiltrate every part of who we are and every part of society. Matthew 28, Jesus said, therefore go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. Make disciples of all nations. What's the picture that Jesus gives at the end? Bring the kingdom, the gospel to the world. Make every nation rise up with disciples of Christ so that nation begins to resemble the beauty of the gospel. Right? This is the charge that we have been given uh, as Christians. And let me be very clear. There is no room for middle ground. No room for middle ground. No, not for the Christian. There is no room for the Christian to be silent, ambiguous, passive, or disinterested. 
And at times what happens is uh, we want to get, we, we want to, or maybe we don't want to, but we get lulled into thinking, don't worry, everything's fine. Why don't you throw the mailer up? I brought this up last week. Some of you didn't see it. It's Satan's message to the world today. It's Satan's message to the church today. Don't worry, everything's fine. Look, look away, look away. Go, go get busy with all of the other things that you're busy and interested in, and I'll just work through the powers that be to ruin everything. But it'll be cloaked in freedom. This is Satan's message to the world. And when the church is silent, no one's speaking truth. When the church is ambiguous, everyone is confused about what the truth is. When the church is passive, the truth will never beat back the gates of hell. And when the uh, church is disinterested, uh, then we think there are things more important than the truth. Okay? There is no room for that. Let me draw a comparison to history. In the 1940s, late 30s, 40s, there's a leader of Great Britain named is Neville Chamberlain, right? And what does Mr. Chamberlain do when faced with the power of Nazi Germany and Hitler? In essence, says, don't worry, everything's fine. I'm sure he's not that bad. I'm sure he won't go that far. I'm sure, and this is what some of us do, we look out at the world and we say, okay, I realize it's out there, but I'm sure it'll never hit home. And so the pacifism, <laughs> sinful pacifism, right, of this man leads to or helps lead to an outright destruction of the world, right? And uh, millions have to sit under, millions have to sit under the consequences of not rising up at the right time. And the same parallel can be drawn to a sleepy church when it is supposed to rise up to action when the world needs it. And when and where we don't, millions will face consequences, and not just earthly ones, but eternal ones. And it is the call of the church to, uh, uh, when the bell is ringing, to recognize it for what it is and to respond in kind. Said another way, uh, let me, another example. Uh, earlier than, than, than Mr. Neville, uh, 10 years or so prior to that, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, pastor in Germany, preaches a sermon and tries to charge up the 18,000 pastors in, uh, in Germany at the time. And he's issuing a warning. If we don't wake up and repent, uh, this guy right here is going to lead our country and this world down an evil path. 3,000 of the 18,000 pastors in Germany agreed with him. 3,000 instead uh, nestled up next to the Church of Germany, uh, which is obviously tragic and sad, right? But 12,000 of them just remained silent and did nothing. Church, we have to wake up to what is going on in the world around us. We have to wake up, and now is not the time for a bunch of Neville Chamberlain Christians. We have to ask the people that we're surrounding ourselves with, listening to, promoting, buying their things, voting for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What team are they on? What team am I on? And there are only two options. Let me tell you why this is so important, other than everything I've already said. John 17, 17. These are Jesus' words. He's praying. And I think he's almost like, he, he's praying. Obviously, he knew we were going to read this someday. And, and I love his words here in John 17, 17. He says, sanctify them. This is his church he's talking about. Sanctify them in what? In the truth. In the truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 17, Jesus is saying this, that if he wants his church to come into the fullness of what it's supposed to be, it has to be sanctified, and the only way for it to be sanctified is for it to be exposed to truth. Jesus said in another way, the truth will set you free, which means the opposite of truth will enslave you. Deception will enslave you, truth will set you free. He says sanctify them, grow them up, refine them, mature them, and how will the church be matured? Through truth. Always through truth. And then just to uh, make sure that there are no, no mistakes or, or no miscalculations or misunderstandings, he says, oh, and God, your word is truth. Just to clarify what he meant by truth. 
He didn't mean my truth. He didn't mean her, his truth or her truth or someone else's truth or, or evolved truth or anything like that. He meant this. Your word is truth, and it is through the truth of this word that we are sanctified, that we, are, that we grow spiritually, that we become more like Christ. In part, even just for us in our own church, this is why we're kicking off the series on October 23rd, Clear Truth for a Confused World, because we can get confused as followers of Christ on what is true, and if we want to grow up spiritually, we need to be consistently exposed to truth. We have to be. The other, uh, by the way, the, the reverse is also true. Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. We believe these, this stuff or we don't. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness do what? Suppress the truth. Truth suppression is done by the unrighteous in order to produce more unrighteousness. That's why it happens. It's motivated by power preservation, but then it is executed by unrighteous people in order to produce, or it always does produce, unrighteousness. That's what sits underneath it. That's why this is so important. Now, let me show you then how the enemy, okay, how Team Satan, Team Truth Suppressors, Team Evil, whatever you want to call it, right? Pick your, pick your logo. Right? Well, however, let me show you how we can check to see which team we're on. And then also I want to show you uh, the way that that team begins to move. We're looking in here, right? We're studying the playbook. Studying the playbook. Okay, well, a simple test of just those three things that I laid out at the beginning. Right, the three things that, the, uh, that, that defines each different team. Let's look at the first one. Team truth teller, right, tells the truth and upholds and adheres to the scriptures in all of their fullness. Team truth suppression, right, either twists the scriptures, denies the scriptures, or suppress the scriptures' ability in order to get out. Wants to disrupt it uh, or, or, or silence it. The scriptures, it being the scriptures, right? And so, uh, again, these are our two sides. Then we just have to ask ourselves and evaluate and look out in the world. Do I see this happening? And here's the veracity of how this grows, okay? If you look at the beginning of verse 2, you see these words. They were greatly annoyed. Okay, you got anyone in your life who greatly annoys you? Are they sitting next to you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Five weeks, we'll do a marriage series. Come back. Okay. Starts with, starts with greatly annoyed. And, and, and here's the thing. There's that like place when greatly annoyed where you're just like, ah, that person just annoys me. Like they just, ah, oh, they just kind of annoy me. They, they greatly annoy me. All right, but I, I'm good. Like, I can get over it. I can work through it. Those kind of things are kind of not, but I, you know, I'll move through it, right? Okay. Here, it starts at greatly annoyed. And here is what one of the lies that the enemy has twisted through our culture over the years is this that if, if, uh, the non-Christian world, if the rulers and the powers of this world, uh, if the non-believing world is annoyed at Christians, then it's Christians' fault. That's the message. And the message is, Christians, you're annoying. Shut up and change. Or if you're not going to shut up and change, then you need to go hide in your little buildings, have your little powwows, but when you walk out of your building, stop being annoying. Now you say, well, what is annoying? And we do have to be, we do have to clarify, right, on what we're supposed to be annoying about and what they were annoying about. What they were annoyed about was the gospel, was the gospel, Jesus and the truth of the gospel. And, uh, but the, but the, the underlying work here of the enemy is this. It's to silence the church, to silence Christians by believing that if we're being annoying, it's our fault. Okay, now, then tactic number two emerges. And tactic number two is this. 
that, that the church is supposed to be just concerned about proclaiming the gospel in its buildings, uh, and that's the whole church's role. And so, again, we get together, and we talk about Jesus died, uh, and then he rose from the grave, and he covered your sins, right? Uh, and then after he uh, covered your sins, if you believe that, raise your hand. Okay, now you're a Christian. Okay, now, therefore, go into the entire world, and don't be annoying. And that becomes the new Great Commission, as if Jesus looked at his disciples and said, here's, my, here's the deal, guys. I want you to go out. I want you to buy a building. I want you to get some people in there. I want you to give them the lowest base level of the gospel you possibly can. Get them to raise their hand and then charge them to be vanilla in the world. Wow. How exciting. No, instead, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, I want you to go and I want you to call people to give up everything they are and to die to me and to be completely transformed and then gather on a weekly basis, be charged up in the gospel and then go out and redeem every sphere of this world. That was the actual charge. And the enemy knew that, so he goes, okay, 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 hold on. First off, let's make them think that being annoying is their fault. Okay, secondly, uh, if they're on that, let, let's get them to just be annoying in their own little building. Okay, if that doesn't work, let's come up with language that makes them think that there are spiritual things and there are non-spiritual things, and they're only allowed to talk about spiritual things. That's the next thing. Christians, no, 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 you're not allowed a voice in the public sphere. You're not allowed a voice in education. You're not allowed a voice in politics. You're not allowed a voice in uh, government. You're not allowed a voice in whatever. You fill in the blank because you guys are annoying and you're supposed to just stay in your little box. And, oh, and Christians, by the way, if you do begin to engage in those things, you're being a bad Christian. This is how the enemy works. Why? To suppress truth, to preserve power. To suppress truth, to preserve power. Just send the message, don't worry, everything's fine. Don't worry, Christians, everything is fine. Get back into your little box. Get back into, uh, um, repent for being annoying, right? It's your fault you care about truth. Just shut up, don't tell me. But here's what the text shows us. Here's what the text shows us. And here is what is true of history. Go down to verse three. What happens? Annoyance turns to arresting like that. See, the powers to be, they will say, oh, no, 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 we can, like, we can settle into this annoying level. Uh, they won't be satisfied there. And so what will happen is the powers to be, and what has happened for all of time is the powers to be, they move from annoying, two verses later, to arresting. I am not being metaphorical here. Right now in our country, we're like right here. How do you know that? How do I know that? Go look at Canada and Western Europe. They're hanging out right here. Don't worry, everything's fine. Don't worry, everything. I'm sure it would never get to that. Said 15,000 pastors to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I'm sure he's okay. I'm, don't worry, everything is fine. I hope these words are not prophetic, but as you continue to read and you go two chapters later, what started at annoyance moved to arresting and in two chapters moved to assassination. Two chapters. The truth suppressors went from, man, these guys are annoying, to, okay, why don't we arrest a couple of them? And if we arrest a couple of them, then hopefully it'll make the rest of them afraid. And they'll all shut up and they'll stop talking and they'll stop doing their truth thing because their truth is really annoying. Uh, and so let's go arrest a couple of them. Okay, oh shoot, the arresting thing didn't work. I have a better idea. Let's assassinate a couple of them. That will send them the message. And it is amazing and remarkable to me that I even have to preach this message. But, church, if we don't wake up, 
If you do not fight back against the walls of oppression and suppression, I fear that my children or their children will not just face this one, but this one. Oh, that would never happen here. How many times do we have to say that it would never happen here before we wake up? There are countless things that we are already saying that will never happen here. And guess what? They're happening. They're happening. You know, one of the most famous preachers, Billy Graham, right? Or gospel preacher. I didn't, I didn't, he's not one of these preachers. He's a real preacher. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Billy Graham, incredible gospel preacher. You know what he also knew his job was? <laughs> to rant and to rave about the evils of communism as a godless way to build a society and destroy human beings. And so he did. Why? Because he knew that the, job, the church's job is not to just sit in a box and pretend like the world doesn't exist or that Satan isn't up to something. The church's job is to proclaim a full gospel, which is how we interact with everything. Everything. And then, you know, uh, the enemy then, uh, particularly in our country, what he has tried to do is this. Then after uh, working through all of this stuff, he tried to spin this lie. Well, you know, um, um, church and state is supposed to be separate. And so Christians, get your faith out of our government. And this could not be further from the truth. Could not be. Because the whole point of church and state was not was not that the church wouldn't influence state and government. It was that the state would keep its dirty hands out of our church, okay? But somewhere, we started believing a lie that it was our job to hide in a box, to, uh, to let the world go to hell, literally, uh, and not to have a voice because, oh, we would be crossing a line of church and state. But your godless religion is allowed to exercise its authority and control over the state? Come on. Like, these things don't have consequences? Like, there's not consequences? Like, there's not consequences of looking at the two nations that have produced the most murder and death, uh, Russia and China, and they're completely rooted in godlessness. Like, we shouldn't wake up to the realities that truth suppression always leads to death. Church, we gotta wake up. It's time. This is the enemy's playbook. Don't worry, though, everything's fine. It's all good. It's good. Just get back to what you're doing. Sing your songs. We'll destroy your children while you're at work. We'll censor you. We'll turn away. We'll turn down anyone who wants to speak on truth. We'll use our powers to be to do that. We'll move Christianity from educational formats and we will intentionally and systematically from the first day they walk into that school to the day they graduate college, brainwash them to think that the Bible is stupid. Welcome to Satan's playbook. That's exactly what they've been up to. It's exactly what true suppression has been up to now for 60 years. 60 years ago, they tried the, the very first tactic, right? Suppress the truth and don't let it be taught in our schools. And so instead, we'll turn to an atheist racist who comes up with a junk science theory that all of a sudden becomes the way the world was created instead of believing what God actually said about it. Okay, step one. Now, truth suppression, team truth suppression, man, they're getting even incredibly more vocal. And here's my one, as team truth suppression gets more vocal, I, my prayer is that the church would realize that the audacity of team truth suppression ought to also raise our audacity. And our fervor, I'll say it, our righteous anger. Let me, so in verse four, on the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander. Every once in a while, we see it here in the, in the scriptures, you have to start calling evil by name. 
And in Acts chapter 4, they're like, you know what? <laughs> Enough with the groupings. Let's call it by name. Let's call it by name. Let me show you one. He's, he's, he's the leader of the gang. One of them. He's the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. Go ahead and throw up the billboards. And if you don't think this aligns with my point, you, you probably want to lie. <laughs> okay. Look at that. Need an abortion? California is ready to help. Learn more at abortion.california.gov. Look at the bottom. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Mark 12, 31. Don't worry. Everything's fine. Don't worry. Everything is fine. Of course, we can stop for a second and talk about the incredible grace of God on any child aborted, any mother who has gone through the process, that the grace of God is incredible, that it reaches us, that it wins us, that it rescues us. And as much as we can uphold that value, we can equally uphold the value that those who spend their own money, well, of course, not his own money, those who spend their money to promote and advance this are absolutely evil. Evil. There is no middle ground here. There's no debate. This is not just we want something to be legal. This is we want to promote something and actively grow it in our nation. And by the way, this billboard was not even in California. These billboards weren't in California. Instead, what happened is he bought billboards in all of the states that were going to outlaw abortion to charge people up in those states to stop the bill to save lives. Somebody needs to read Gavin Newsom, Matthew chapter 7, that talks about the millstone. Team suppression will twist the scriptures. They will twist them. And they will use them. If this does not make you mad. That we're going to use the words of Christ to promote this. That'll never happen here. It already is. The easiest response to this is, what about the neighbor in here? What about that neighbor? Don't worry. Everything's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. It's fine. That's number one. I don't even know what list I'm on. Number two. Second thing. Second thing. Team suppression will do is this. They will twist the gospel. And I could talk about how the world does this, but it's easier to talk about how the woke church does it. And when I say twist the gospel, I mean it's the opposite of everything we see here in Acts chapter 4. Let me read a couple verses out of Acts chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 10. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the gospel is about Jesus, whom you crucified, he died. He died. Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, he rose from the grave. By, by him, this man is standing, is standing before you all. This Jesus, this Jesus, what do we mean by this Jesus? We mean the Jesus that was fully God and fully man, the Jesus that was sinless, and the Jesus that rose from the grave. And if your Jesus is not any one of those three things, then, or not all three of those things, then it's not this Jesus. It's a different Jesus. It's your Jesus that you made up, and the Jesus you made up has no path to salvation. Let's keep reading it, though. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. He's the only way. He is the only path. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Isn't it amazing how much doctrine Peter can fill in like four lines? And what he's doing is this. He's refuting all of time what's going to happen, which is the, 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 the church, the woke church, is going to wake up and say, okay, uh, uh, they're going to be exactly like the Sadducees. We're going to compromise with culture, and we're going to twist the gospel. You know, right now, 
unfortunately, sadly, across our country, denominations, mainline denominations, denominations with hundreds or thousands of churches, uh, the Methodist church in particular, uh, they're like voting this weekend on, uh, or this weekend or next or sometime this month, on basically on deciding whether or not they're still Christians. Okay? Okay, another way I could say that. They're voting on whether or not they still uphold the Bible as the word of God. And those who vote to go one way will begin to uphold a doctrine that is nothing less than heresy. And those who vote the other way will uphold the scriptures and the truth that God has always granted us, the truth that actually leads to freedom. And can I tell you something? My heart breaks that innocent people caught up in the crosshairs will align with an entity that they have always trusted that is no longer trustworthy. Because we know, because this tells us that truth leads to sanctification and suppression of truth leads to unrighteousness. We believe it or we don't. This is number two. This is what we have to ask ourselves. Which team am I going to be on? Who am I going to be? Who am I going to be? Number three, third thing is this. Third reason, uh, the third way that we get to differentiate between the two different sides uh, is that one side produces actual freedom. The other side pr- produces a, um, a picture of freedom that isn't actually freedom. We see this in verse four. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. This thing was working. The gospel was on the move. And isn't it always interesting that when freedom in any form uh, gets on the move, that is when Team Truth Suppression stands up and ramps up their tactics? They they begin to see freedom happening. It's like, whoa, 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 we got to do something about this. We've got to cut this off before, uh, uh, before it really begins. Why? Because truth suppression is motivated by power preservation. And, uh, and the enemy can see when truth begins to, to get on the move, uh, that, that truth and freedom are the natural, uh, it's what God originally, before sin tainted it, uh, it's how God created us to be. And, and so there's something about hearing truth and walking in freedom that the human spirit comes alive in. And because the enemy hates the human spirit and hates humanity, he tries to suppress it early. And when it begins to march, he ramps up his tactics, annoyance, arresting, assassination. This is what the enemy does. And, uh, and the enemy's workers, uh, those who would be on team, uh, team Satan, on team truth suppression, right? They, they will be used to ramp up all of these things and will use whatever means necessary to do so. How do we respond? How are we to respond? Because that's important. Let me tell you. Here's how we are to respond. We see it right in verse 8. Actually, let me just give you a, uh, a general statement. Truth suppression gets canceled by the gospel. That's the beauty of the team that we're on. That truth suppression gets canceled by the gospel. And so when uh, the thing starts to move from um, annoyance to, uh, uh, to arresting to assassination, here's the beauty. Satan thinks that every time he ramps up and goes from one level to the next, that he is going to suppress the truth of the gospel. But the power of the gospel actually breaks through every single level and tends to grow when Satan raises his tactics. That's the good news. That's the good news. That the gospel actually comes in and breaks in and suppresses or cancels out the truth suppression. Now, how do we go about doing that? Number one, it says in verse eight, then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. You and I, we have to be filled with the Spirit of God. We've got to be filled with the Spirit. We have to be uh, uh, people, people that are filled with the Spirit. We have to be a church that is filled with the Spirit. And don't get caught up in language and thinking, I mean, you know, uh, this or that, right? We've talked about that all year, like what it means to be filled with the Spirit and everything like that. And what I'm saying is we need to be filled with the Spirit of God to walk in the fullness of who He has created us to be and who His church has created us to be because we can't do this on our own. But filled with the Spirit, we can and there was, a, there was a time in Peter's life, right, uh, when Jesus told him, one day you will stand before rulers of this world, and I will give you the words to say, filled with my spirit. Jesus kept his word. Right now, I think we are at a time, friends, church, and individuals, where we can rely on the spirit of God to give us the words to say, to help people walk from slavery to freedom. And, but we've got to be awake in order to do it. That's, that's the first thing. We've got to be filled with the spirit. Second thing we've got to do is this. 
He goes on, and I love it, man. This guy, look at this guy. This is the third time in three chapters that he has looked at people and said, hey, y'all remember Jesus? You killed him! But he rose from the grave. And he wants to rescue you. And he loves you. We have to keep preaching a full, clear gospel. We cannot stop. And this is actually, when it comes to the upcoming series, this is where you and I get to, uh, where we get to work together uh, in, pro, in proclaiming the gospel, where we get to work together in expanding truth and bringing the gospel out into the world. And that's why we're, uh, we're doing this series. It kicks off October 23rd, Clear Truth for a Confused World. And over the next two weeks, I'm going to give you even more information. In fact, over the next two weeks, what I'm going to kind of do is I'm going to talk about what we're going to talk about so that you can talk about it to other people who need to be talking about it. And then you can tell them to come talk about it with us. Because what I don't want to do is talk about it, and then later you say, I wish we would have talked about it earlier, so I could have talked about it with somebody else. So we're just going to lay it out. And then you can tell them, this is what we're going to talk about. Come and join me. So we're going to send out a mailer. We're going to do a bunch of social media marketing. But really what it comes down to is you guys. You guys knowing in your life who needs to know the truth of the gospel. And not just the people who need to know the truth of the gospel. You also, let me tell you who, who, who my hope is and what my prayer is over the next, uh, uh, next couple of weeks, okay? At the end of this uh, kind of calendar year and where, where I think God is in our church. There are two targets in this. First, a believing target. Here's the believing target, okay? Uh, the first step of the believing target is Christians who are trapped in woke churches. I'm not just talking about churches you don't like or churches like this. Or, no, no, no. If they're preaching the truth of the gospel, Paul said, you know what? Good job. Good high five, right? And, and so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about churches that cannot be labeled anything but heretics right now. And in that, uh, I think we actually have an obligation as Christians to rescue them from that. Why? Truth leads to sanctification. Suppression leads to unrighteousness. Why would I want my brother or sister to seek after unrighteousness? And sometimes, this is sad, people go, well, I'm just glad they're hearing something. If the something leads to slavery, they'd actually be better off hearing nothing. Amen. That's like saying, at least the chains are small. No, no, no. No, no, no. Let's, let's go on some rescue missions. And again, this is not like a rescue mission. I'm like, oh, I just don't like that church's graphics. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay? Like, I'm talking about, like, heresy. Okay? Okay, number two. Second target is this. Um, I think we all know Christians that have not returned to church post-COVID. And it's easiest for them to believe the don't worry. Actually, maybe they don't believe the lie, don't worry, everything is fine. And so that's why they've gone, Woo! Okay. Can you just look at them and say, we need you. We need you off the sidelines, and we need you back in the game. There's a battle going on, and the more of us, the better We've got a world to reach with the gospel. We have got the gates of hell to fight back. And brother, sister, we do not need you on the sideline. We need you right next to us. Will you come back? Have that conversation. Here's the third one. Uh, the third one is there are people who have settled into, and I would say this is probably because of COVID, um, of just watching church online. And I'm not talking about like, like they live in Toledo and they watch church online because their kids have sports and they're busy or whatever. I'm talking about people who are here, watch church online, okay? I'm not calling evil by evil. I'm just saying like they're, they're watching, you know, they're watching Verdict, they're watching Groeschel, they're watching Charles Stanley, they're watching whoever else. They're like, that's my church. The internet is not a church. You need to be in a local body. And you, we need to encourage them to get into a local body. I don't care if it's here. Go somewhere that preaches and proclaims the gospel. And we need to work together in that too to wake up to that, okay? The, the second target is this. There are people out there, they don't profess Christ. I get really excited about this target. They don't profess Christ, but they know the world is messed up. And here's how you can tell. They are so scared for their kids. And they're the ones having the conversation with you like, dude, did you just hear what happened? Did you hear about the art? Did you see the thing? Did you know about the thing? Did you, did you, like, like right now they're probably saying, did you hear about the six-year-old in Britain who was labeled as transphobic and was going to get kicked out of school? It's a real story. Six years old. It's insane. 
And they're going, did you hear, did you hear, did you hear? And you need to say, I did hear, or I didn't hear, right? Whatever. But you need to say, but have you heard what can actually fix it? What can actually stop the madness? What, it, what the actual solution, what the hope is in the midst of the craziness. Have you heard? Will you come in here? Those are the two targets. And those are, those are who we have to go after. And then, and then when we do, uh, and then when we do, and we have these five weeks, clear truth for a confused world, I'm going to be as clear as can be. And let me just say this. If clear truth annoys you, let that be the warning you need. Please. If clear truth annoys you, let that be the warning you need. Because the only ones who should be annoyed by clear truth are those on the other side. And I don't want you to fall into that. And so let it be the one, okay, all right, hold on. Don't go too deep. Don't go too deep, okay? Third thing we have to do, third thing we have to do, verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. It is good to have like-minded friends. And Peter and John, they got out of prison. They, they got released, and they're like, this is, wow, that was something. What, what should we, let's go find our friends. And so they run up, and they get their friends. They go, guys, you're never going to believe what happened. <laughs> we got thrown into jail, and then we were in jail, and then miraculously we got out of jail. Um, and this is what the guys told us. They told us that we can do whatever we want. We just can't preach in the name of Jesus. And then we look back at them and said, we can't preach in the name of Jesus. Then why would we do anything? That's all we have is the name of Jesus. And so we're just going to keep praying. And since you guys are my friends, why don't we get together, and let's pray for boldness so that when the enemy gives us all of his lies, we just refute them and become even more bold than we ever have been before, okay? That's how they responded. And they were bold because they had like-minded friends that were like, yeah, we're doing this, I'm doing this, you're doing this, we're all doing Let's all do this. Let's all do this. Let's all throw off our Neville Chamberlain attitude, spirit, uh, uh, demonic, whatever, throw it off, like channel our inner Winston Churchill, stand up and start taking the fight where it needs to be taken. Let's all do this, right? Don't worry, everything's fine. That's the line. That's the line. And one day, one day, even to those who are caught up in the lie, you and I will be able to whisper to them, don't worry, everything's fine. He's in control. He's in control. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. But I want them to know the proper, don't worry, everything is fine. Not the fake one. And you and I get to do that together. And we get to do that as aggressively as we ever have over the next couple of weeks. And I pray and ask that you would partner with us in that. Our city needs truth. The people you know in your life, they need it. Clear truth for a confused world. We got to go. It's time. Let's do it. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connect card. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.